Attention listeners, do you ever find yourself struggling to decide what to watch on a Saturday night when you're in the mood for horror? Or perhaps you're trying to round out your own horror film education. In either case, I'm sure you'll be able to make some great discoveries in my 10x10 Horror Watch List, featuring a breakdown of the 10 favorite horror movies from 10 renowned horror directors. We did a deep dive of the favorite horror movies from directors including Guillermo del Toro, Ari Aster, Jordan Peele, Quentin Tarantino, James Gunn, Rob Zombie, Martin Scorsese, and many, many more. Here you'll find a collection of each director's favorite horror movies, along with quotes about what they appreciated about the films, all in an easy-to-reference PDF that you can download absolutely free. Featuring a mix of well-worn classics and deep cuts, hopefully you'll discover some overlooked gems and look at old classics through new lenses. Download the 10x10 Horror Watch List for free by visiting nicktaylor.com slash horror guide. That's nicktaylor.com slash horror guide. Welcome back to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Mark Ramsey is an audio storyteller and maker of some of my favorite podcasts of all time, including the Inside series, which consisted of Inside Jaws, Inside the Exorcist, and Inside Psycho. All of these podcasts were an inside look into the making of each of these movies, while also exploring the real-life circumstances that inspired them, all through Mark's very signature mix of cinematic audio storytelling techniques. If you would not listen to the Inside series yet, do yourself a favor and download them all. They are a treat for any horror or cinema fan. In collaboration with his partner and sound designer, Jeff Schmidt, Mark's specialty has become making memorable, compelling, and revolutionary audio experiences that thrill, inspire, make you smile, make you gasp, and touch your heart. Mark's latest creation is Dark Sanctum, a spine-tingling seven-episode limited series showcasing multiple stories about things that go bump in the night. Inspired by TV classics like The Twilight Zone and Tales from the Crypt, Dark Sanctum blends captivating audio storytelling with Mark's signature chilling audio and sound design in Dolby Atmos to transport listeners through a twisted and memorable audio thrill ride. I listened to every episode of Dark Sanctum and enjoyed every single one of them. I'm a big fan of Mark's work, and uh, this new series is really cool and really exciting. We dive deep into this, Mark's history, and uh, what he has in store for us next. In any case, he is a good friend of mine and always a very fun and exciting guy to talk to. Please give it up for Mr. Mark Ramsey. Mark Ramsey in the house. How are you? I am great. It's so good to be with you, Nick. It's been a long time. I know. I know. Four years since we did our last Dread Central interview, which is uh, kind of insane. I was 16 at the time. (laughs) Yeah, you look good for 20. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, Yeah, it was coming off of Inside Jaws, which may have been my favorite of the inside horror series or like the initial inside mm-hmm. one i mean i yeah that one that one was was pretty it's special. interesting that's that's my sentimental favorite as well it's not the most popular the most popular is inside the exorcist by mm. a fair margin 
Interesting. But Jaws is uh, kind of a, a, a runner-up. But it is, I think, the, the um, a more mature show and the most rounded show. Right. Yeah, because you kind of got your reps in with the first two, which I really loved, too. Inside the Exorcist was great and Inside Psycho. And I learned not to listen to them in the gym because there's a lot of jump scares. And if you're holding a big weight above you, you don't want a jump scare. So, yeah, <laughs> just a testament to the That's power right. of audio to, to frighten. Yeah, I did get a note from somebody who said at the end of Inside the Exorcist, he just about drove off the road. Oh, wow. Um, which is, uh, I don't want to be responsible for that, kind of. Yeah, you maybe should I listen in your own home with the best headphones you have, not good while driving. Maybe I want to hear about him driving off the road. Let's be honest. <laughs> that sounds like a Dark Sanctum episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there, was, there was my not-so-subtle segue. So, Dark Sanctum is your new show, and it, it has it launched? It has launched. Dark Sanctum launched mid-October. Okay. And they're all, all the episodes are out now. All the episodes are on Wondery Plus. The first one's available for free. The, the rest of them you can hear uh, by doing a trial subscription, and you can binge them all in a matter of a few hours. Very nice. Yeah, and I have heard them, and they are wonderful. They're chilling. They're scary. The audioscapes are wonderful. Really, really immersive. Um, and I feel like story-wise, a lot of them, there's there's some scares, and a lot of them have an eeriness, but they're not all terrifying. You know, in other words, there's there's some there's something almost Dickensian about a number of them, where there's this kind of like. <laughs> You know, sense one of, is abjectly Dickensian. Oh yeah, one of them is. I think there were there were a couple that I thought were um, that had that that almost like O. Henry level of irony about you know the nature of life and death and appreciating life and all of that, which I thought was interesting. Can you talk about the the story approach? Because these are sure, chilling well, and scary, but they're not. You're not trying to be too scary. You're not trying too hard. You know. Well, there's so much we wanted to do in this, but the most important thing we wanted to do was create compelling stories that had a reason to exist, you know, a, a story without a theme kind of lacks a reason to exist. Mm. Something that was engaging and compelling and, you know, immersive is important, but it's funny. We use that term for dramatic podcasts. We never use that term for film mm. or television. So I'd like to sunset that term and just say, look, let's let that be the expectation that you're going to feel like you're in the middle of it. It's got Dolby Atmos sound. So you literally feel like you're in the middle of it. But really, the goal was to create compelling stories. Yeah, um, it was modeled on primarily things like the Twilight Zone, um, um, and shows uh, that kind of have that anthology-hosted scary character. Twilight Zone, after all, is more sci-fi, but this is more of a horror twist on that. And uh, we wanted to create something that, in some cases, really challenged people to listen to the whole thing. Because you can do things with audio that you can't do with any, any other medium. Yeah. And we deliberately wrote, I deliberately wrote many of these to leverage that fact. There's an episode called Detour, mm -hmm. which is about a guy who gets intercepted on his way racing home so he can give back money to the guy he stole it from before that guy kills his family. But he gets pulled to the side of the road and put in jail. And the entire episode is him on the phone trying desperately to rescue his family. That's an episode that has no reason to exist in film or television. Mm -hmm. That's an episode which, which is overwhelming in its impact, brutal in many ways, 
because it's audio. In fact, one of the actors in the series called me and said, you better put a warning on that one. <laughs> really? Because as a, she said, as a, as a, as a parent, it's very triggering mm. for me as a woman, as a parent it's very triggering for me. Yeah. And, um, it, it, but we wanted to, but it's all pretend. Right. That's the thing. It's all pretend. And in fact, the way it works out, it's even more pretend. But that's an example of how we really wanted to leverage the power of audio in a way that, you know, why does this exist in audio? Too many um, dramatic uh, stories are created in podcast form, audio drama form, because they're screenplays that didn't sell mm, mm -hmm. or teleplays that didn't sell. Well, we can't make it into a movie. Let's make it into a podcast. Surely we can do that. Let's gather around the mics, everybody. Right. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to have a reason why this could only be audio. And that's what many of these episodes are. That's why we do so much with visualizing the scene. There's, a, for the most part, limited narration. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of visual audio in this. Yeah, it's a good way to put it because you do find yourself creating a picture in your head as these things happen. And as we know, the less you show the audience, the more terrifying things they conjure in their own mind. But it's fascinating the way you talk about create crafting the episodes. So is it a matter of coming up with ideas for things that could be conveyed through audio and then kind of reverse engineering a story based on those things? Or how do the, how do the stories and episodes come about? What's the, it's of... actually a little bit of both. Okay. Um, in some part like that particular episode, I knew I wanted to do a modern day version of the classic uh, movie and radio drama called sorry, wrong number. Mm -hmm. I wanted to say, what would it look like if that, you know, which is rumored to be the most famous, the, the, um, the most suspenseful radio drama of all time. Oh, wow. I wanted to do a modern version of that, and it was all on the telephone. So that was kind of the impetus to that. So I built the story around that. There are other episodes, like there's an episode about the wife of Harry Houdini. Love that. Who tries for, for 10 years uh, on the anniversary of his death, Halloween night, to uh, reach out to his spirit. And after 10 years, she finally gives up. Uh, and I... The episode asked the question, what if that last episode, what if that last attempt succeeded after all? Right, right. <laughs> that's, that's not really an audio centric notion. That's a story driven notion. Um, the other episode, another episode that does something like that is, you know, what I call my Christmas Carol episode, mm -hmm. which is um, kind of an, a, a, an abjectly sentimental and what my production partner called charming ghost story. Yep. Um, much like a Christmas Carol itself. And it's about a guy who, a kid who um, is struggling through life, living with his mom, miserable, creates art, expects to go nowhere just like his father did. His mother is working on some project. She leaves on Christmas Eve to pick up that project. She never comes back, or at least she never comes back the same way. Right. Yeah. And that leads to a, um, an emotionally fulfilling conclusion. Yeah. which really is reminiscent of, I think, A Christmas Carol. And I really wanted something to put a period on this series, which was more ghostly and charming than scary to say, you know, you can do a meaningful episode about something that matters without scaring people's pants off and it can <laughs> still be good. Yeah, that, I think that was my favorite episode. 
I really liked that one a lot. It was very heartwarming and touching. And I like kind of happy ghost stories too. I like, I like the conjuring and all of that kind of stuff, but I like non-scary ghost stories. It kind of, it, it takes a level of mastery, I think, to do those. And that was, well, I mean, uh, was the, the most, the, the best known person who's an expert at that is Stephen King. Mm. Uh, he does that better than anybody. I mean, the, the amount of heart in the content he creates is under, appreciated in hmm. my view yeah because you don't hear but a lot of people talking about it right no, but it's central to the effectiveness of his stories that they're about real people real characters that you care about and about issues that you care about in many cases yeah and yes there's also something supernatural or scary or horrifying or whatever but uh and and mike flanagan uh, midnight mass is another great example of that oh, God, that I was that. that just that just uh bowled me over that was that sensational series. do you see midnight and, club I haven't seen it yet, uh, primarily because it's more young adult, and it's good, I've got it's to be right for everyone. For that. Yeah, it's got it's pretty edgy. It's like a little more than I think most sixteen-year-olds could or should handle. Like it gets into oh, some good. serious subject matter, very serious, and it doesn't okay. shy away. I would imagine it's cathartic for a lot of younger people, but it's good. It's good. Good. It's really really I'll check good. Check it out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, horror and heart. There's a real, there's a real magic of it. Spielberg definitely did that with stuff like Jaws and and when he worked with Toby Hooper on Poltergeist. And I think the Conjuring movies did that too. You know, you you yeah, love I the characters, it, you care about them, and you don't want them, you don't want them to get hurt. It makes it scarier. Uh, the Shining sequel, The Shining originally, even though it was kind of a cold movie, mm -hmm. it was you know even. Uh, Mick Garris's uh, TV redo of The Shining was Which incredibly deep, and that one was scripted by King. Right. So right. I, there's so much out there, so many lessons out there. And, it, you know, that's the thing. It's like I don't want to be scary just for the sake of being scary. I want to be good as well as scary. And I want to draw you in. And, I, you know, somebody said to me, well, some of these aren't like the most terrifying stories in the world. And I said, some of them aren't built to be that way. Right. Do they all belong under that banner? Yes, I think they do. Because a great scary story is a story that's more than scary. Yeah. Yeah, and I found with each episode, you do care about the characters. You really do. And I feel like the economy and the speed at which you're able to do that is interesting because, I mean, the, the longest episode is like 22 minutes long. They're fairly about short. That, yeah. But you, I found myself really caring about the characters. And to be able to accomplish that through just audio alone, I thought was really interesting. So with it, what was the approach to things like character development and getting people to care? Well... I wanted to start with the direction. I wanted to start with having a reason why the episode exists. I'm really into that. I said, yeah. why does this episode exist? Why am I writing this episode this way? Why does this story matter to people? And then, you know, wrap the characters around it and, and bring it to life. We were fortunate to work with some amazing actors on this. I couldn't be happier than to be able to work with Clive Standard and Joy Lenz from One Tree Hill and Michael O'Neill from Seabiscuit and so many other things. Clive was in Vikings. Okay. And he's going to be in the morning show. Going to be in the morning show next season. They were just wonderful actors that really took this so seriously and brought it to life in a way that it's just uncommon. I hear way too much audio drama, quote unquote, mm -hmm. and I hear and and I'm more often disappointed than not mm. because it, either because it starts too slow or because it moves too slow or because it goes too long or because the performances are amateurish mm, mm -hmm. or because everyone seems to be exactly the same distance from the mic as I am from mine and you are from yours throughout the entire series. And it's just, it just leaves me cold. Yeah. Um, or there's just, there's some that are just have these long, long monologues 
that uh, are just boring. Yep. Um, and I think people say to me, well, what, you know, this kind of um, podcast hasn't really had its serial moments, so to speak, mm. with this one giant hit that, that comes out, no matter who creates it, hasn't had its serial moment. And I think the reason for that is that we don't listen to podcasts the way we watch movies and television. Yeah. We don't sit down on a couch, uh, hit the button and, you know, sit back with a bowl of popcorn and a beer. Um, we are doing things. We are living life. We are in the car. We are taking kids places. We are uh, running. We are at the gym. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why for these episodes, one thing they have in common is that they're all short. Yeah. Uh, the shortest is about 11 minutes. And the longest, as you say, is about 22. Yeah. And that's a lovely sweet spot. If you can tell the whole story in that amount of time and we move the pace of these episodes, the pilot episode, in fact, which is called Requiem for a Traveler, about a guy on a plane who visualizes this plane crashing and it changes his life, assuming that he's not on the plane when he crashes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. what that one's about. That's the first episode. And that's one of the strongest episodes. And it just moves at light speed from the very beginning. It's 14 minutes long. And it and you would never guess it was that quick because it moves that fast. And yeah. that's, I think, the goal. Hmm. Yeah, I think the ideal listening experience and I did this for about two episodes. My fiance and I put it on the Sonos. We had a little popcorn and wine and like just sat, listened. We would see each other's faces. It was in the Sonos. So it was everywhere. You know, it was a it was a cool it, it felt like it harkened back to a simpler time. My father used to talk about how when he was young, he grew up in the 30s, 40s. Um, when he was young, he and his family would gather around and watch the radio, as he used to say. But they would play like mm -hmm. all these kind of old teleplays, as they called them, like Orson Welles and, and stuff like that and War of the Worlds and, and whatnot. But there was something cool about it. So, I, I mean, I recommend either listen to it on your best headphones or put it on your Sonos and listen to it, you know, as you would watch a movie. Um, yeah, because of the Atmos 360 element, it is surround. So uh, the strong recommendation is to use headphones or earbuds or something. Yeah. But yeah, I, I and I don't like to refer too much to the the classic uh, radio stuff because that's something that's just so unrelatable for of course. listeners. But there are things from that era that hold up relatively well. And the things that hold up the best, it turns out, are the scariest things. Mm. And those things, because they 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 exercise that one muscle we have between our ears, or well, that is our ears, and it's not usually the primary muscle we use, mm. let alone the exclusive muscle we use. And as I always like to say to people, you know, um, turn down the volume on any scary movie, and all the fear goes out of it. Yeah, and it's it's that sound that makes that movie scary more often than not. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like sound design, I'm, I'm noticing it more and more in movies and some of the scarier ones have very specific sound design. Like smile had exceptional sound design. The, the score. It's in funny that. you say that. Cause I, I just saw that last night. Oh yeah. And yeah, it was, it was very, very well done. And there was also a whole lot of visual, you know, when you can use visual, you, you should use visual. Oh yeah. Everything, everything scary. Shouldn't be a jump scare. You know, mm -hmm. the old refrigerator door opening and closing and there's somebody behind it. I mean, right. you know, or the, the cat's primary job in those movies is to, 
you know, jump out at, at a random moment and scare people. Yep. Um, that's one kind of thing, but, you know, really kind of leveraging perception is what it is. And that's what smile I think did so well. It really leveraged perception really well. And that's what we're doing with the uh, sound yep. at the same time in, in this project. And um, that's why I'm so excited to, because we really are, whether people realize it or not, I think until they listen, and even if they listen, they may not realize it. We're breaking some new ground here, mm -hmm. or at least ground that hasn't been broken in a long time. I mean, the kind of cliche uh, dramatic devices of, you know, intrepid reporter giving first person account along with, you know, lost recordings, which are revealed. <laughs> I mean, I've heard it all before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we wanted to share some things you haven't heard before. And we wanted to just view it as a cinematic exercise rather than an audio centric one. Yeah. And what I want to talk about is the kind of mastery of dimensionalizing audio. The spatial audio element is huge. I mean, someone in the story will go down to the basement and you hear him talking and he sounds far away and he sounds like he's in a basement. And there's a real mastery that you all have figured out when it comes to that. Can you talk about well, that in particular? But also, what does it take to make an episode? Are the actors all in a room together? I'm assuming they're not in, you know, little recording booths separately. What um, What is the approach to, to that level of... Uh, what is the approach to putting the, the episodes together and dimensionalizing them so you feel like you're there? Well, the in this case, um, the, first of all, on, on the sound design, uh, my production partner and co-producer on this project is a guy named Jeff Schmidt, who has done Dr. Death, Dirty John, and lots of the biggest Wondery hits. And he's the guy who worked with me on the Inside series um, arcs for Wondery. So he's my, you know, go-to partner on this stuff. And this has been something he's been itching to do. I've been itching to do it. We both wanted to create this full cast thing. And this was our chance to do it. We actually did it before we had a deal to distribute it. We decided we were just going to do it nice. at our own expense. And that's what we did. And that led to the deal with Wondery Plus, which in turn um, is leading to a deal as of the middle of uh, December. Uh, the series will be off Wondery Plus and available on Realm, uh, which means it's available everywhere. You listen to podcasts for free, ad-supported, um, so that's where it's headed. So anyway, it's led to those deals which wouldn't exist if we hadn't actually created audio instead of just saying, here's a pitch deck. Right. What do you think? Right. So how did we do the episodes? Well, um, for the the primary actors really believed, and they're right, that the more of us you can get in a room together, the better the performances will be. And they're right. I mean, they're actors, they know their jobs. These are real actors. These are not just, you know, voice talents. Right. So I had uh, Clive and Joy, I had them for a couple of days and uh, the series, the seven episodes, actually 10 episodes, but only seven were finished in post-production in time for our deadline. So I have three oh. episodes queued up for season two already. All right. So uh, we recorded 10 episodes in the course of two days. We did it in kind of a repertory format, which means the same actors, different roles, different episodes. Mm -hmm. And it's anthology, so every episode is a different story. So I had uh, those two in the studio uh, for two solid days, playing all of roles. Joy got to exercise all of her fabulous accents, which was fun to hear. <laughs> and uh, Clyde got to do the same because he's British. 
Um, and he asked questions like, well, what kind of British accent? And I said, Clive, you got me. You're the expert of there, not me. Uh, but he has a great American accent, too, which I, I need to commend him on. So um, we did that for a couple days. We had Michael O'Neill, who plays the uh, guide, is the name of the character, which is really the guy who introduces the story, paints the picture of what you're going to see. Every episode is kind of built around this mysterious place called the Dark Sanctum, within which are um, mementos of each episode, and he explains the memento and the significance of the memento as it relates to the story. And that's how we introduce the episodes, Rod Serling style, almost. Mm -hmm. And Michael came in for a couple of hours on a different day because all of his work is monologue. Um, and that was great. And then we filled in with the other characters. I filled in my parts. I had another, some voice talents fill in their parts. Another uh, uh, actor who does a lot of uh, audiobooks, Carissa Backer, did her parts. He had a wonderful episode that was almost all hers called Here Lies, which is a Walking Dead-inspired episode, but it's very unlike a Walking Dead episode in that the zombies are sentient. Mm. And it asks the larger question, you know, what does it mean to be alive? Right. Um, how do you know when someone's alive? What does that mean? You know, and how do you treat that and what if a zombie is alive do you need to treat it differently than if they are not mm. so i i love those kinds of big ex existential almost questions that can propel the story and make it different from anything you'd see or hear on walking dead so that was an example of what she did so that's how we did it very cool is there any sort of audio equivalent to sort of shot listing or storyboarding, deciding where every character is and then placing them into the kind of spatialized audio so that the listener can kind of hear where they are in relation to each other and where events are happening. Cause I could, I could see the images as I was listening to them, but the spatialization was done so well. You could tell where everybody was basically on the proverbial stage. What is I can that like? Broadly I can speak broadly to that because really that's Jeff's art. That's mm. the art of sound design that Jeff Schmidt is so uh, wonderful at. Uh, but he makes every he makes every effort to do exactly that, mm -hmm. to differentiate people. You know, in our early stuff with Inside, I was all the voices. All the voices were me. So I remember me in different places around the room and had me and, you know, they weren't imitations of people. Right. They were because I knew that that's a slippery slope. If you don't do imitations well, you do imitations poorly by definition. So I said, let's just not. Mm -hmm. But I'll do all the voices. And that ended up creating what the folks at Wondery later termed the Wondery sound. Yeah. Between my approach and Jeff's uh, production talents it created a whole industry of Wondery series that were single voice narrator where the one voice plays multiple parts, um, which was kind of uh, uh, humbling and exciting and fun that we had that impact on them. Uh, but originally they didn't think it would work, mm. or at least they didn't know if it would work. And we proved that it could work. It's not the same as a full cast, but it's also not, um, it, it's, it's all, it also works. Yeah. Yeah, I found it worked really well. You doing all the voice. I think occasionally you would even do women's voices, and just somehow, oh yeah, it works. I would do women's voices, but I wouldn't do them as women. Yeah, and you just kind of go Joan with Crawford. it. Joan Crawford was Steven Spielberg when she's you know uh, uh, blindly walking around her place because she's got like a face 
a face treatment on. Yeah. And she can't see who this kid is that just walked into <laughs> her apartment. I mean, that was just pure comedy. Right. Um, right. But it was fun. But when you hear it, you just kind of go with it. You know, I think that you, you just, you're able to visualize a lot of these things and it, it almost, well, the way matter. I like to, the way I like to convey it to people is it's like, you know, when you're a parent reading a story to a child at bedtime, you are all the voices, right? You may not imitate all those voices, but you are all the voices and the child understands that. And if the child can understand it, the adult can understand it. That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. So how did you begin when it comes to the world of podcasting? I know the Inside Series was how I first found out about your work, but what was the beginning for you on, in your, your career in audio? Well, that was the kickoff. I mean, historically, I've been working with radio broadcasters for many years on a lot of different levels, but there came a point where I remember memorably many years ago, I did a presentation for public broadcasters well before podcasting. And I said to them, I said, okay, I know where the, I built a matrix on the presentation and top and bottom was news, smart at the top, dumb at the bottom, <laughs> left and right was entertainment, smart on one side, dumb on the other. And I said, okay, who does all this content? I said, smart news, that's you, public radio, dumb news, that's commercial radio, dumb entertainment, that's commercial radio, morning shows, Yep. smart to entertainment. I said, where is that audio? Who's creating smart entertainment? Interesting. Because on public radio at the time, there was virtually none. I mean, there was, wait, wait, don't tell me if that's your cup of tea. Other than that, there was none. And there certainly was none on commercial radio. But I thought, where is this stuff? And fast forward to an era when all of a sudden, you know, serial happens and then true crime happens and then podcasting happens and then podcasting booms. And now there's all different kinds of flavors of podcasting before you know it. Wow. Now we have, you know, welcome to Night Vale. Now we have lore. Now we have all this entertainment oriented stuff. Um, but inside was really early in that cycle. I wanted to pick partners that understood what we were trying to do, which was audio for the rest of us. Mm, okay. Audio for people who like to laugh, like to cry, like to be entertained, not just news audio. And Wondery, because those guys came from the studios, they understood that world. And I remember going to their office on Sunset early on when they had you know half a dozen people working for Wondery and the whiteboard with about five shows on it. <laughs> it was this huge whiteboard, and they had like five shows in the upper right-hand corner, and that was what they had. And I said, here's the idea, here's the pitch. Um, it's about a movie everyone knows, and it's the stories told in a way that's compelling and vivid and richly sound designed in a way that you don't hear mm -hmm. anywhere. Uh, you weren't hearing it on true crime at that time, although there wasn't much true crime. You weren't hearing it at all. Uh, some of it unaudible, arguably, but that was, you know, a different world. That was an audiobook world. And uh, on the basis of, so I wrote something, I recorded something, Jeff produced it on the basis of a five-minute teaser, which was really the first five minutes to Inside Psycho. Mm. We sold the project to Wondering. Nice. And Inside Psycho led to Inside Exorcist, because we were in this kind of horror bot. 
And that led to Inside Jaws because I knew we could be bigger than horror. And that led to Inside Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And in between, we did a deal with um, with Coca-Cola because they are the primary sponsors of the Red Campaign to yep. eliminate uh, AIDS uh, in Africa. And they bought a two-episode uh, series on the movie Philadelphia uh, in celebration of its 25th anniversary. Yep, I remember hearing that. So we created this thing that had, you know, elements of red in Africa and the backstory of uh, the movie Philadelphia told in two episodes. And when the folks at Sony, whose, whose movie it was, found out that we had done this, they were very upset. And they said, well, you're going to need to get the approval of Jonathan Demi's widow. Um, and, you know, a couple of no-name actors named Denzel Washington and Tom Hanks. Other than that, no problem. Whoa. So we went out to uh, Jonathan Demi's widow, Jonathan Demi, the director of the movie. We went out to Ron Nicewaner, who uh, wrote it. We went out to um, Denzel. We wow. went out to Tom. And we got um, a green light from all four. Wow. That's great. And which is really uh, amazing that because, I mean, I was literally doing I, I, I was doing dialogue as Denzel. I was doing dialogue as Tom. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember the publicist said, I don't know if they're going to like that. <laughs> it turned out they were okay with it. Yeah. And that led to uh, a, a great project we did with Ed O'Neill uh, called The Undercovers, uh, which I got to work on with uh, P.G. Kasheri, a great screenwriter. And that led to... Um, uh, Aftershock that we did last year with David Harbour and Jeffrey Dean Morgan, written and directed and starring Sarah Wayne Callies and um, a bunch of other wonderful actors. It was just a dream come true. Um, and that brought us to Dark Sanctum. Very cool. And where does Fade In fit into the picture? All right. Well, Fade In is a spinoff of Inside. Inside has basically completed, completed its run at Wondering. And I wanted to create a spinoff of that that would be of interest to someone. So we did kind of, we shrunk it a little bit down to four episodes. And we said, um, these four episodes are all going to be about the making of some of your favorite entertainment. And uh, we uh, produced a pilot. We sold it to KCRW, which is one of LA's premier radio stations. I don't think this is public knowledge yet, by the way. So don't tell anybody. Oh, is this off the record? Do you need to oh. edit this? No, no, it's not off the record, okay. but it's on the record. But, you know, I'm waiting for them to announce it. And Copy. since they haven't yet, I'll tell you. So we have a deal with KCRW to launch it in the spring of next year. Um, and it's uh, fade in uh, Quentin Tarantino and in the story of Pulp Fiction. So right. I'm very excited about that. I've got more recording to do on that next week. And um, that'll launch in the spring. Um, and then after that, we have a deal that we're close to signing right now, which would involve a, a full cast version of A Christmas Carol. Oh, wow. For next year. So, yeah, we're busy. Very, very cool. Yeah, I feel like just with podcasts, audio is in, such an interesting time where there's 
shows like yours that are very, very cinematic. And then there's just regular podcasts like mine that you can listen to while you're multitasking. But there's this whole found audiences now that everybody has earbuds. And I mean, what else do you think the future of audio holds in terms of possibilities? Well, I think for one thing um, that not enough has happened. Uh, there haven't been enough comedy experiments, mm. for one thing. There are a lot of comedian-driven shows, right. which are essentially morning shows with named talent done once a week. Um, so that's not so new. But scripted comedy shows, I'd like to hear more of that. Um, I think that game shows. Interesting. Where the heck are game shows? Right. I'd love to hear some game shows that create more opportunities for listener interaction. That's the third thing. Hmm. Where are the series that really invite kind of a vibrant audience to be a participant as opposed to just a passive recipient? Mm -hmm. Those are kind of the three things I think we're likely to get more of. And I, and I'm, I'm, I must say though, I'm thrilled that we were able to create and produce Sanctum because it literally broke every rule we were told um, not to break. We were told by the people who deal with these distributors all the time. Um, no scripted uh, audio, no full cast production, no <laughs> anthology, no horror, no short form, no limited series. Wow. Because the distributors don't want that. <laughs> you did them so all. We did all of that. We did all of that in one and we sold the project. And um, I, I just I, I, I couldn't be more uh, uh, happy that we pursued. And I think the lesson of that is that if you really believe in something, don't let anybody dissuade you. Yeah. I mean, you know, because there's a difference, as I like to say, between quality and taste. Hmm. You can say you don't like smile, but you can't say it's not well made. Yeah, for sure. Right. And I think that's a distinction that's lost on people. And I, we really wanted to make something that was qualitatively strong, that was something we could be artistically and aesthetically proud of. Whether it found as big an audience as something else, you know, certainly on a subscription platform like Wondery Plus, it's never going to reach the scale that the Inside series did, which were available for free. But now that we're moving platforms, we have that potential to uh, blossom and we're looking forward to that as an opportunity. And plus we have a, uh, an option on a second season with Wondery plus. And as I say, we've got three great episodes already mostly made. Very cool. Uh, one of which is a twin towers episode. Oh, wow. Which will be interesting. A time travel twin towers episode. Oof. By the way, I am shocked that nobody's done a time travel twin towers something yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. Don't write it. Don't make it. Wait until <laughs> it comes out on Dark Sanctum, please. That's awesome. Well, Mark, sounds like a really exciting time. I mean, I feel like you answered my last question, which is what's next for you? Yeah, that's all that's coming that's next. That's all that's and, coming next. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it is. And I, I'm, I'm really thrilled, Nick, to have this relationship with you and to be able to share this stuff with you. And you and I talk every so often. And you've been really encouraging about all of the stuff that we're doing at times when not everyone necessarily is. Oh, well, that's you nice know, One of the things you find in this space is that encouragement is hard. Envy is easy. Encouragement is hard. 
And, you know, success isn't necessarily having the most popular show. I mean, the days of, you know, the Inside Series all made it to top 10 Apple podcasts. Mm -hmm. uh, Jaws was at number two for weeks. Wow. But those days are over. You know, you can't get up there anymore. Even Aftershock with David Harbour uh, didn't break the top 10. Um, and I'm no Dave. In case you haven't noticed, I'm no David Harbour. But <laughs> nevertheless, you know, success is one of those slippery things that if you can succeed in terms of your own ambitions, your own artistic integrity, and your own desire to bring something wonderful to life, and you can stand back and say, you know, that really was everything I hoped it would be. That is success. And the fact that there are people out there that encourage that, people like you, I am really grateful for. So thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure entirely. A big fan of your work. Always have been. And uh, yeah, can't wait to see what you do next. Well, give it. Everybody give a listen to Dark Sanctum. Available on Wondery Plus now and um, everywhere you listen to podcasts starting uh, mid-December. And where are your best headphones? The uh, Apple headphones have spatial audio, which really lend themselves to a good listening listening experience. Otherwise, if you got Sonos, throw it on the Sonos, fire up some popcorn, crack open some wine, do what I did. It's uh, it's. A I lot agree, of fun. but here's the other thing that I just want to remind people is that you know so much is made of well, this is special because it's dimensional audio, right? Um, people don't talk about movies like that. I mean, no, we're watching don't. them on our phones, you know? <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the quality of the audio experience is secondary to the quality of the storytelling mm. and the fact that the audio is a piece of that storytelling, not a substitute for it. And that, I think, is the most important thing. It, 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 our, our goal with this project is that you listen to these episodes and it changes you in a, in a way that is satisfying to you. You feel something, you feel differently. That's what we try to do with Inside Jaws that you like so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we want you to feel something. We want it to change you in even the slightest way. That is success. And it's a very, um, you know, when you write this stuff, you are burying your soul in ways that are invisible to the audience mm. unless they really think about it. Right. But um, it's a very personal experience. It's not just scary stories, but it's scary stories from my heart. And I hope that that matters to the people who are um, enthusiastic enough to listen. Very cool. Well, I feel like that's where the best stories come from. Well, on that note, Mark, pleasure as always. Thanks for being on the show. This was great. Nick, it's my pleasure very much so. And, I, and I'm so grateful to be here with you. Thanks again. All right. Thank you, as always, for listening. Do not forget to check out Dark Sanctum, now available on Wondery and soon to be available everywhere you listen. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with your friends and family on social media? Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at I'm Nick Taylor. That's I am Nick Taylor. And on Twitter at the same handle. Thanks again for listening to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. <laughs>